Our life is full of beginnings and endings. We've all been a part of sunrises and sunsets. We've been in part of births and retirements, of housewarmings and going out of business sales, weddings, funerals, beginnings and endings. There was once three guys that were talking about death, three friends. And one of the friends said, what do you want people to say at your funeral? The first guy says, I would want them to say at my funeral that I was a great humanitarian and I was someone that could be trusted and cared about my community. The second guy said, well, I would want them to say that I was a good husband and a good father, someone that could be followed. And the last guy said, I would want them to say at my funeral, look, he's moving. (laughs) But life is full of beginnings and endings. Beginnings can be precious or they can be painful. Endings can be glorious or they can be gut-wrenching. God's book is full of beginnings and endings. In fact, the Word of God is so complete and so perfect that many of the things that start in the first few chapters of Genesis, the first book, are completed in the last few chapters of Revelation, the last book. Things that are interrupted in Genesis are renewed in Revelation. Things that were broken in Genesis are made whole in Revelation. See, sin ruined creation in Genesis, but Christ will one day come back and renew creation. See, the Bible is like a glorious song that starts in Genesis and it ebbs and flows and then all things are resolved in Revelation. And today we're going to talk about a few things that give evidence of the fact that God is in control. He's always been in control and he will always be in control. In Genesis, we see in chapter one, it portrays man's beginning in the paradise, in the garden, walking with God. But in Revelation 21 and 22, it tells us of the ending of this world and the eternal paradise that we will live in forever, fellowshipping with our creator. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. We see Genesis reveals Satan for the first time. In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field the Lord God had made. In Revelation, though, we see Satan's final doom. In Revelation 20.10, it says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. In Genesis, it unveils Satan's initial attempt to manipulate God's word. In Genesis 3.4, it says, But the serpent said to the women, or woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We see here Satan manipulating and twisting God's word. But Revelation declares that there will be no place in heaven for adding or subtracting or manipulating God's word. And we see that in Revelation 22, 18. Genesis 3 records man's first disobedience of God. But Revelation tells us of a future time without 
the contamination of sin. We see that in Revelation 21, 27. It says, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. How many are excited to go to a place where there'll be no more sin, no more shame, no more guilt? Amen. Genesis first introduces the curse in Genesis 3 and verse 17. And it says, and to Adam he said, but you have listened to the voice of your wife. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. You shall not eat of it. Here we go. I was, uh, got confused there for a second. Uh, you, uh, <clears throat> let me start over. And he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But Revelation anticipates when a curse, then that curse will be lifted. In Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse. Genesis 3 tells us that man lost his privilege to eat of the tree of life found in the garden. But Revelation promises that man will once again eat of the tree in heaven, a symbol of everlasting life. Revelation 22.2 says, Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. Genesis recounts the tragedy of sin and the pain and separation it brings, but Revelation looks to a time when sorrow and mourning will be no more. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. Praise the Lord for a time when we don't have to deal with death. We don't have to deal with tears and, and sorrow. Genesis chronicles the first murder, the first polygamist, the first rebel, but Revelation points to a time when all residents will live in perfect righteousness. Genesis reports the first death. In Genesis 4.8, Cain spoke, uh, spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. But Revelation points to a place and a time in the future where of no dying. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, and there will be no more death. And lastly, Genesis gives us the first promise of Christ. Genesis 3, 15 tells us that Eve's offspring would one day defeat Satan. But Revelation gives us the last promise of Christ. In Revelation 22, 20, says, surely I come quickly, to which John the Revelator and all Christians since have said, even so come, Lord Jesus. What's my point here? My point here is that life is full of beginnings and endings, but life is so much more complete when you know the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the, and the last, and his name is Jesus Christ. See, God is in sovereign control of all events of human history, and though evil seems so strong and wicked men seem all-powerful, their ultimate doom is certain. And because there's coming a day when Christ is going to come back to return and judge those that reject him and then rule and reign with his people forevermore. And though times seem confusing when we watch the news and we look at the newspaper and see the world around us, God is in control. And you can have faith that the God that started the work in you and started the work in this life is going to complete it in the way that he attended. John 1.1 reminds us, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See, nothing is out of God's control. He's not fumbling around or surprised when North Korea makes threats or when we get the results of an election or when we personally get bad news in our lives. He is not taken back. Someone once said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God is not surprised today by anything that goes on. God rules over the kingdom of men, and he will accomplish his sovereign will regardless of opposition from men or from Satan. See, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. We've heard that said a lot before, but have you ever really stopped to think about what that means? Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. But think about what an alphabet is. Why did he use that terminology? Well, an alphabet is created to store and communicate knowledge. An alphabet can be arranged in almost an endless combination of words, and those combination of words can communicate all knowledge. Jesus Christ is the supreme master of all alphabets. There's nothing outside his knowledge. There's nothing he wants to communicate to you this morning that he cannot communicate to you. It all starts and ends with him. He is the alpha and the omega. Can I get an amen out there this morning? Praise the Lord. Hey, isn't it great to know that you know the one that holds the universe in his hands? He is the source of all things, and he will bring all things to their appointed end. He was the first to be worshipped at the dawn of the creation, and I assure you he will be the last thing to be worshipped forever in eternity. All other objects, all other people, all other ideals are unworthy of our praise. He desires and deserves all glory, all honor, all worship and praise. It all starts and ends with Jesus this morning. So maybe you have a problem and you don't know where to start. Start with Jesus, the first and the last. Maybe you've got some trial in your life and you're worried about it and you don't understand how it is going to end. Go to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. The beginning and the end. He exercises sovereign control over every object, every person, every event. Not one molecule sits outside of God's power this morning. He holds the planets in orbit. Do you know that right now we're spinning at 70,000 miles an hour, careening throughout the universe? But God holds us in his hands. God is in sovereign control. He orders and sorts all of the seasons. This is not an accident that we can plan for winter. It happens this year, uh, this way every year. And sometimes they're a little bit warmer. Sometimes they're a little bit colder. But God orders the universe. And he providentially picked every single hair that is on your head. And I know some of you question why it's not more. But God is in control this morning. He is in control. And you can put your faith and trust in him. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He who started this all for you in the womb will end it one day and it will be the way that he intended it to end. God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He was there from the start and he will see you all the way through to the end. There'll be things you don't understand. There'll be times in your life 
that people turn their backs on you. There'll be time in your life when people stab you in your back. You'll be shocked to the core at times by the things that you hear people say, the times when you watch the news. But God is in control. This morning's message isn't long. It's not eloquent. It's not lengthy. There's not 27 points today. The point is, is the one that started everything is going to end everything. And you can have faith in knowing that he is in control. There's people in this room that are at all points in their lives. There may be someone today that is facing financial downfall. There might be someone whose marriage is on the rocks. You can go to Jesus with what you have today. I tell people all the time when I counsel with them, don't be scared to tell God what you're afraid of. Hey, don't be scared to tell him your doubts. God is not scared of our questions. You can take him everything. Read the book of Job. Job says, God, I don't know where you are. God, I don't understand what I'm going through. We have a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. And and though Christians walk around sometimes and they act like everything's okay, right? We got a big smile on our face. But the Bible shows us from uh, experience. There's even Psalms of Lamentations. What does that mean? God knew you were going to go through what you're going through today. And you might have a smile plastered on your face this morning, but on the inside, something is going on. You're in turmoil. You're upset. You've got fears. You've got doubts. I'm here to tell you this one thing, that God is in control. And the one that started it is going to end it. And the one that started this work in you is going to bring it to completion. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. And he's the beginning. And he's the end. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. If every head's bowed and eyes closed, band's going to come. I want to give you plenty of time and a, a, a big opportunity to bring your worries and troubles and burdens and lay them down at the cross this morning. You don't have to have it all figured out. Most of the things that we worry about and the things that we're anxious about never come to pass. If the altar's open this morning, if you've got something in your heart, you don't have to be like, oh man, if I go down there, everybody's going to think that I've murdered somebody. No, they're going to think that you trust God and that you're going to come and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. God, I don't know where I'm going to go. And yeah, they might think you're not perfect. Wow. Big deal. They're going to see through that facade that we all wear. The altar's open this morning. If you've got something you're struggling with, something that you need God to move in, you come now.